Our reading today is from Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 through 10. Once you were dead because of your disobedience and your many sins. You used to live in sin, just like the rest of the world, obeying the devil, the commander of the powers in the unseen world. He is the spirit at work in the hearts of those who refuse to obey God. All of us used to live that way, following the passionate desires and inclinations of our sinful nature. But our very nature, we were subjected to God's anger, just like everyone else. But God is so rich in mercy, and he loved us so much, that even though we were dead because of our sins, he gave us life when he raised Christ from the dead. It is only by God's grace that you have been saved. For he raised us from the dead along with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms because we are united with Christ Jesus. So God can point to us in all future ages as examples of the incredible wealth of his grace and kindness toward us, as shown in all he has done for us who are united with Christ Jesus. God saved you by his grace when you believed, and you can't take credit for this. It is a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done, so none of us can boast about it. For we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus, so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. You know, one of the benefits of your birthday falling in the middle of the week is that you get to celebrate your birthday for a whole week. And I have indeed. Something cool happened this week. Brenda asked if she could have her three girls from her Wednesday night Bible study to the house and treat them like our grandchildren. Our grandchildren live a long way off, and so that's a special pleasure for us to have kids at the house. While they were there, uh, they came with a card, but they made cards um, while, while they were there, and, and Brenda let them make the cards as they wished, and I, I just, I want to share with you their cards, and I got, I got their permission, okay, be before I did this this morning. I'm going to start with Kara's Kara's says, happy birthday, Brother Lynn, and on the inside, I'm not sure if that's supposed to be me or if it is, I need dental work. Um, it says, happy 70th birthday, and it's signed Kara. And then Sydney says, her says, happy birthday, and there's a birthday hat on the outside. And on the inside, I like this, See the decorations, and it says, let's party, party, party. <laughs> and then Tinley. Oops. says, happy birthday, Brother Lynn. And it's got a rainbow and happy birthday on this side. And then she wrote, happy birthday. Turning 70 is great. Almost through with life. <laughs> I 
going to heaven is going to be very fun. <laughs> and, and then it's signed, I love you, Tenley. So this morning, <laughs> Andrea Brenda said that she giggled the whole time she was writing it. <laughs> she enjoyed that, and I did too. <laughs> In Ephesians chapter 2, Perhaps the best known passage in the book of Ephesians, for by grace are you saved through faith. We, those of us who've read through the Bible, read it again and again, those of, us, those of us who grew up in Sunday school, we've memorized that passage. It is a very familiar passage. But again, as I looked at it this week, and, and read all the details and delved into the passage. I think maybe I've looked at it more deeply and more closely than I ever have in my life. And we are talking about from death to life. And remember that our series is New Life in Christ. Now, it begins with once you were dead because of your disobedience and your many sins. So, and then it starts talking about our walk of life. And so, Aaron, thank you for picking the song that you did this morning, Dead Men Walking. Dead Men Walking. Now, I realize if these guys on the front row had done this, they would have talked about the walking dead. <laughs> but since I've never seen one episode or one movie about the walking dead, I have to go back, Loretta, to the Tom Hanks movie and The Green Mile. And you remember, if you've seen that movie, are you shaking your head, Macy? You've never seen The Green Mile? Your mom ought to be whipped. <laughs> Show her that movie. In the movie, the, guy, the, the men who are condemned to death as they are marched to the gas chamber, somebody is walking in front of them calling out, dead man walking, dead man walking. And the truth is, for every person who has never been saved, the same thing is true. And guess what? We're all in that boat. Every person in this room has been lost. The best you can say, Catherine, is I'm saved now. But there was a time that I was lost. And Jonathan, when we're lost, we are dead in our sins. We are dead men and dead women walking. Walking in the way of the world. And we need to be moved from death unto life. Now, I need you to understand. You say, how is it that all of us are dead? Because we were born dead. We were born separated from God. Death means separation. When a body, uh, Tenley had it right, when a body stops working, Kim, the soul separates. I just realized they're doing it to me again. 
Kim and Kim are sitting back to back again. So I'm looking at one talking to both of them. When, when the body quits working, I think that that is how you explain death to a child. His body quit working, and so his spirit left his body. And so the body's just empty because it doesn't work anymore. We were born, however, that's, that's the separation, I'm saying, of the spirit from the body. We were born separated from God. Now, a, a baby, a, a little child that does not yet, does not have the capability of making decisions and realizing their sin is safe under the blood of Jesus. They are safe until they're lost and lost until they are saved. Do you hear the difference? They are safe until they are lost and then they are lost until they make a decision for Christ and are saved. But we were born in sin. Romans 5.12, Therefore just as sin came into the world through one man, Adam, and death through sin. And so death spread to all men because all sinned. We were in Adam and his sin passed on to us. So we were sinners before we sinned. And then, Donna, we made it worse because we sinned. We were sinners before we sinned and we added to our guilt because we sinned. And so we inherited sin and then we practiced sin. And every person born is born separated spiritually from God. We were born dead. Not only that, I said death means separation. We're separated from God because of sin. And friend, if you have never come to faith in Jesus Christ, you are still separated from God because of your sin. Jesus paid the price for your sin, but you have to receive Him to receive His salvation and be saved from that separation, that spiritual death. We were born dead, and then we were deceived. He said, you used to live in sin, just like the rest of the world, obeying the devil, the commander of the powers in the unseen world. He is the spirit at work in the hearts of those who refuse to obey God. By the way, Gloria, the reason that he is capitalized is not because it's Satan, it's because it's the first word in the sentence. I would never capitalize the, the word God if it's not referring to the one true God. And you don't capitalize a he unless it's the first word of the sentence or if it's referring to God. We were deceived by the devil. The devil is a liar and a murderer. He was a murderer and a liar from the beginning. And I've quoted to you before the translation that says, when he speaks, when he lies, Mike, he's speaking his native tongue. Think about that. When he lies, he's speaking his native tongue. The reason people come to a church service like this, lost, 
never having been saved, never having put their faith in Christ, they come and they listen to a sermon from the Word of God, the Gospel of Jesus Christ, which is able to save them from their sins, and they walk out, Tracy, and they've never been saved. They had the opportunity, but they left, Carl, and they never trusted Christ. You know why they do that? Because the devil's lied to them. The devil has deceived them. He says, you're good enough. You're no worse than anybody else. Yeah, but you're worse than God. For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. It takes perfection to make it into heaven. And none of us are perfect, and none of us will ever be good enough to make it to heaven. And we've been deceived. We were born dead, and then we were deceived by Satan. Not only that, but we live by the wrong passions. All of us used to live that way, following the passionate desires and inclinations of our sinful nature. I want you to understand what he's talking about here. We've been deceived by the devil. We become his servant. We follow his leadership. And what we do is we follow our desires. That's talking about fleshly desires we call lust. We follow the adage, you know, I, I grew up in the 50s and the 60s, and yeah, I, I've already told you I'm 70 years old, so you, you can't, you know, I, I can't be surprised if you know I'm already old, okay? But that was the age when they said, if it feels good, do it. Some of you remember that. If it feels good, do it. I actually had, I was serving in another country as an interim pastor in a foreign country, and the associate pastor decided to move in and live with his girlfriend and said, God led me to do this. Uh, do what? If it feels good, it just... It feels good. Do what feels good. Listen, our nature, Tim, is for things to feel good that are absolutely sinful and absolutely wrong. And in the past, we lived according to those desires. And I will tell you, young people and old, those desires will get you in trouble every time. You need to follow Christ. Follow His Word. Live the new life that we have in Christ, not the death and deception that we've come from. By the way, the inclinations of our sinful nature refer to our thoughts. Our, Deepak, that's our mind and our heart. This is talking about the flesh and our fleshly nature, but the inclination, that's what you're thinking and that's what you're feeling. That's what's going through your mind and in your heart. And our trouble is our fleshly nature is not just the flesh. It's also our mind and our heart. And we have walked according to those and we will pay the consequences. Because of our sin, we were condemned. We were born dead. We were deceived. We followed the wrong passions, and because of it, we were condemned by our sin. 
He says, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. That children of wrath means that is our destiny. The Bible says, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. You hear the difference in that? The wages of sin, our wages have earned us something, and it's death. Remember, death is what? It's separation. And that death that our sin has earned us is eternal separation from God in the devil's home in hell. Now, I know it's not popular preaching, it's not politically correct, to say that people who don't believe in Christ are going to hell. But you know what? They are. And I would not be doing you right if I didn't tell you that, that if you've never trusted Christ, you're already separated from God. And if you die in your sins, instead of in faith in Christ, you will be eternally separated from God. Pam, that's where all of us were. I'm glad it's past tense. Amen? Amen? I'm glad it's past tense. We were there, but we're not there anymore. And we ought to be grateful. I think, Delane, that we're not as grateful about our salvation as we ought to be because we've forgotten what it was like to be lost. I've never forgotten the quote from the, from the man who was talking about how grateful he would be for the rest of his life for being saved. He said, lost, lost. Oh, the enormity of that word, lost. Praise God, we're not there anymore. If you have been saved by the blood of Jesus, by faith in his name, you have been moved from death to life, and you have new life in Jesus Christ. That he talks about then the quickening of the dead. Most of the scriptures, you'll catch me doing this, I like to read different translations and I use different translations in my messages trying to make the point clear. Um, but most of the passages of scripture that I've memorized, Jonathan, I've me memorized in King James. And it just happened that I like that term, the quickening. Now that's not, for you kids, that doesn't mean that all of a sudden you turned into Flash, the, the comic book character, you know, and, and all of a sudden you're like, zoom, you're, you've been quickened. It, it means to be made alive. And you had the quickened who were dead in trespasses and sin. And the... Uh, ESV, but God who is rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us even when we were dead in trances made us alive together with Christ by grace you have been saved. Listen, only God can make us alive. No one but Jesus has ever raised himself from the dead. Jesus, we talked about in the Sunday school lesson this morning about Lazarus being there uh, during the, the, the um, 
the supper at Simon the leper's house, and that Jesus raised Lazarus from, from the dead. But Jesus raised him from the dead. There's three people in the New Testament that Jesus raised from the dead, and he's the fourth guilt, but he raised himself. He's God, and he was eight. He said, I, I lay my life down, and I take it up again. No one can save you but God. I think it was Charles Spurgeon who said, or, no, I'm sorry, it was D.L. Moody who said that he, in Chicago he was getting on a train and there was a man who met him there who had gotten off the train and he was drunk, staggering, so drunk that he could not walk straight. And he came up to Moody and he said, Mr. Moody, you saved me. I was at one of your rallies and you saved me. Moody looked at him and smelled the alcohol in his breath and said, I must have because God didn't. And anybody who decides that they can save you will be totally unsuccessful. And that means you too. Only God has the power to make us alive. We have been saved by the grace of God. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God not of works, lest anyone should boast. I like, we memorize chapter 2, verses 8 and 9. God saved you by His grace when you believed, and you can't take credit for this. It is a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done, so none of us can boast about it. You'll never work hard enough. You'll never be good enough. Salvation is not a wage. Salvation is not a reward. It is a gift from God. We talk about salvation being free. But Tammy, that's not altogether true. You know that? It's not free because, Carter, it costs Jesus Christ His life. It costs God His Son. Think about that. Salvation is tremendously expensive. But Jesus paid that. He paid that for you and for me so that it is offered to us freely. Salvation is freely offered, Karen, even though it is tremendously expensive. It costs God. Jesus paid the debt so that we have nothing to do not baptism, not the Lord's Supper, not good works, but simply receiving by faith Jesus Christ as Savior, believing that He is who He says He is, believing that He will do what He says He will do, and believing that He will do it in your life just like He has in the lives of others. It's talking about life instead of death, the quickening of the dead, making alive of the dead, making them alive, life instead of death. Even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. Now this is just a, 
a note in passing, maybe it's biblical trivial pursuit, but in the King James and the New King James in those translations, verse 1 says, And you hath he made, you hath he quickened, or made alive. But if you look carefully, that's in italics. Yeah, what does that mean? It's in italics. It means it's been added to make sense. Because in the Greek, that is one long sentence, and the making alive does not occur until verse 5. And so, in order to make it easier to understand, they, they put that in the beginning. The current translations make it where it was in the original Greek language. Even when we were dead in our trespasses, he made us alive together with Christ. Life instead of death. Listen, I like the fact that it says God made us alive. And folks, we ought to act like it. We've been made alive, and yet we go to a Razorback game. Can I get a witness? And we shout, and we call the hogs. We're not going to do it in here right now. Most of you could. We get all excited, and yet we come to the Lord's house, and we were dead, and we've been made alive, and we act like we're still dead. Didn't hear many amens about that. Man, we've been made alive. We were dead. And Jesus made us alive. We ought to shout glory. Glory to God. We've been saved. We ought to realize we're not dead anymore. We're alive in Jesus Christ. He made us alive. How did he do that? Because he is rich in mercy. But God being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us. He is rich in mercy and he is rich in mercy because of his great, unlimited, unimaginable love. He loved us so much glory he gave his son that whosoever would believe in him would not perish but have everlasting life. He can be merciful because he's God and he is merciful because of his love. Then the verse says it's his grace and our faith. God saved you. Uh, the, the version that we have memorized all these years, it's uh, by grace through faith. Whose grace is it? Well, it's not mine. Not my grace. It's his grace. Mercy that we talked about in the previous slide, mercy means not getting what you deserved. Didn't we say, Jamie, that we're condemned? Our sin has condemned us. And because of mercy, we do not receive the condemnation that we deserve. That's mercy. Grace, Pam, means getting what you didn't deserve. Mercy, not getting what you deserve. Grace, getting what you did not deserve. That's salvation. By the grace of God, the gift of God of eternal life comes to us. You were saved by His grace when you believed. His grace, your faith. I need you to understand 
God will never force his salvation on you. I hear the term thrown around very loosely, his irresistible grace. That's not biblical. Stephen said to, to the Jews in Acts chapter 7, he said, as your fathers did, so do you. You always resist the conviction of the Holy Spirit. You always resist the drawing of God. Grace is resistible. You can make a decision at the end of every service. I know some pastors no longer give invitations, but I sort of think, Charles, if I'm preaching, if I'm not giving an invitation, why would I be preaching? And so at the end of every service, I give you an opportunity to make a decision in here or in the lobby later. We give an invitation. That means you have a choice. If you have an idea that God is just going to decide for you and he's going to force his salvation on you, you are absolutely wrong. John said, these things have I written that you might believe. His goal, God's desire for you is that you would be saved. He's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Charles, if I had believed in five-point Calvinism, I would be a universalist, that everybody would be saved. I mean, if God's choosing, He would choose everybody to be saved. He has chosen for you to be saved. But he gives you a choice as well. And he will never force his salvation on you. You have to decide to receive it through repentance and faith to trust in him. He sacrificed himself so he could offer it to you freely. I said that earlier. But you must receive it by believing in Christ, the Son of God. This is the part that I don't know that I had ever really seen accurately. The third thing I want you to see about this move from death to life, that it is actually recreating a masterpiece. In the New Living Translation, it says, For we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things planned for us long ago. Recreating a masterpiece. Do you realize that you are God's masterpiece? You are His handiwork. Uh, look at the different translations. The ESV says, for we are His workmanship. The NIV says, we are God's handiwork. NLT, we are God's masterpiece. I like the Passion Translation says, we have become his poetry. You think, whoa, that's way out there. It is not. In the e NET, there is a note about the Greek language about that word that it means handiwork or poetry. It is a construction that God has put together. I love Mr. Holland's opus. And in that movie, 
How many movie references have I done today? Boy, I should have thought this through. Anyway, in that movie, the former students of the music teacher, they come together and they play a symphony that he has, his opus, that he has written, and it has never been played in entirety publicly. And at the end, the lady stands up, she just happens to be the governor, and she was a former member of his band, and she says to him, we are your symphony. We, those of us that you taught and whose lives you, lives you impacted, we are your opus. And what Jesus said is, you are the poem that he has written. He has put you together the way you are for his glory, for his honor. And you are not a waste. You are not unimportant. You are not a worm. You're, you're important to God. Man was the masterpiece of God's creation, but he was spoiled by sin. What Christ is doing by His grace, through His Spirit, through your faith in Him, He is restoring and recreating that masterpiece so that you can live and you can work for His glory. We are recreated as a masterpiece in Christ Jesus. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, I love this. He is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Now all things are of God who has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ. He has recreated his masterpiece. And that's you. Those of you who have trusted Christ, that's you. You're a masterpiece. God's masterpiece. And he has a plan and a purpose for you. For we, is his work, we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Listen, we're not saved by our good works, but we are saved in order to live and to work for his glory. Through everything that we've heard from the book of Ephesians till now, Joyce, that's what it's been. Praise God, praise God, praise God. He saved you by his grace through your faith, but he did it with the intent that you would live and work for his glory. He has a plan for your life. His plan gives you purpose for your life. If you felt like your life was without purpose, you haven't known God and you haven't followed God. God has a purpose for you. Fulfill your destiny. Follow Christ. Do what He's calling you to do. We've got two young people who will be baptized after, immediately after this service in the lobby. What about you? Have you followed Christ in baptism? Have you been saved? Is God calling you to be a member of Faith Baptist Church? Follow God. 
and fulfill his plan and his purpose for your life.